Welcome to the Fire and Earth Podcast with your hosts, Jason Mefford and Kathy Groover. Fire and Earth, giving you the keys to unlock your limitless potential. Welcome to another episode of the Fire and Earth Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Mefford. And I am Kathy Groover, and we are so excited to welcome another amazing guest. So we have talked on several shows about trapeze and how I do trapeze and how much I love trapeze. So we actually have a real live trapeze artist on the show, Ryan Schneider, who I've known for years down from Santa Monica. He has some exciting news. His career has taken a very exciting turn. So we brought Ryan on to talk about that journey and living that dream and how to accomplish those things that you really want. So welcome, Ryan. We're so excited to have you. (laughs) Nice to have you. Nice to have me. Nice to have you. It's nice to have you. It is nice to have you. So tell us your background, like how you got into trapeze circus and your journey along with that, and then share your exciting news with us. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, it's actually an interesting story. And a lot of people, like now there's a new generation of uh, circus performers that are coming uh, into circus that didn't originate from circus families. And obviously that's my story too, because my family knew nothing about circus other than that it was usually run by circus families. And uh, I was living in Los Angeles and I was doing some acting work out there. And simultaneously, I was working as a waiter. But uh, I was uh, the very first instance of how it happened was I was at a restaurant. I was working in a tourist area, wasn't getting tips because of the tourism and they didn't understand tipping in America, blah, blah, blah. I was so frustrated. I went outside and I took a walk to like calm myself down. And I saw this trapeze, this trapeze set up and it said trapeze school, New York. And I was like, that's weird. They have schools for this. And I was like, I was wondering what it was about. If you have to take classes, if you sign up for a semester, like, and at the same time, the owner had come up and he greeted me and he started telling me a little bit about it, talked me into taking a class. And I was like, well, that's cool. I've always wanted to do gymnastics as a kid. I wanted to learn how to do flips and stuff. And uh, so I thought, well, that'd be fun and it's free. So (laughs) he talked me into it pretty easily. And then after my first class, I just got hooked on it. I, the adrenaline, the excitement. And the one thing that I really enjoy about um, activities that I do is the physical nature of them. So the physical aspect of being actually able to do something where you're in control of making things happen. Um, that's what really attracted me to doing it. And I got really attached to it quickly. And so from there, just taking a single class turned me into, they eventually gave me a job as an instructor and to a rig manager and to where I was producing the shows that they were doing there. Wow. And that kind of just evolved as I started to get more into it. I realized this was more of a physical nature. Um, it wasn't gonna have the lucrative payoff as a movie star, but I, I really liked that immediate gratification of seeing an audience happy, like the live aspect of performing. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a performer. So this was really uh, a new kind of uh, platform for it. So I completely quit the acting and I put all my energy into this. I connected with um, a family that lived in Las Vegas that let me come out to Vegas a couple times a month to train with them, um, which I'll mention them later on too, because they're a big part of where I'm at right now. And um, it just kind of developed from there. I just kept networking, kept training, um, waited till the right opportunity and the timing came along. And um, it kind of landed me through this interesting journey that has me now here at Cirque du Soleil. So, so excited uh, for you. Yeah, it's such a it's such an exciting journey. And it obviously hasn't been without its pitfalls or its difficulties. I mean, yeah. obviously not coming from circus and not having the exact network that you need to have an opportunity to succeed takes a lot, you know. Um, but uh, you know, 
you just keep working hard and eventually just like in a trapeze the timing is everything and so the timing of how I fell into my first position to my second yep. to get the audition for Ringling Brothers and then how that turned into the job that I worked at in Japan for four years ultimately led me to this right here so uh yeah it's been an exciting journey and I'm happy to share all of it with you guys <laughs> yeah we're happy to have you so let me ask you this how old were you when you stumbled on the trapeze rig in Santa Monica uh, I had just turned 26 years old. Yeah. And, and I bring that up because people think that, you know, you have to start doing circus when you're three and you go to the circus school and you go to the circus college. And, you, you know, I mean, we know people at the rig here in, in Santa Barbara who, you know, they went to an actual circus school and like they trained in all these different apparatus and all these different skills. And there's different ways to have this journey. And it's not relegated to the, you know, the 15 year olds can start this right. sort of journey at any time. And that's exciting because so often, you know, I hear my clients go, well, I'm too old. I can't do that. I missed the boat. I can't do that. It's like, there's always opportunities to follow that dream. And it might look exactly the way you thought, you know, you're not the star now, but my God, you're freaking touring with Cirque. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, same and I'm for me. Almost, it's like, and I'm almost 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. You know, I so, gave up. Again, we, we talk about the age aspect of it and, yeah. um, it, it just doesn't matter. It depends on like what your goals are and how, how determined you are to really get to them. It, instead of using it as an excuse as age or physicality, it, you use that as a motivator. And yeah. yeah. And, and you never, no, I was gonna say, you just never know how it's going to turn out. Like I never thought I'd step off stage. So when I stopped acting, I went shit. Like I, did I give up my dream? And now I'm motivational speaking. So I'm going around the world. I'm still on stage. It's just a different yeah. outfit, a different accent. I'm still doing silly voices, you know, but it just, it just looks different. It's the same thing in a different package. And I think people give up things way too easily. Go That's ahead, exactly, I'm sorry, I cut you off. That's exactly uh, <laughs> like, I, I didn't mean to cut you guys off either, but I just wanted to piggyback on what you said, because uh, I thought I was going to be an actor. I thought I was going to do the acting thing because that was what I understood of performing, like whether yeah. it was on stage at theater or whether it was movies and film, like that was my idea of what a performer was. I didn't realize this avenue was a potential for somebody who wasn't born into it. And so, like you said, you go on to a different stage and you don't realize like that's a cool outlet that your body already is in tune for. Yeah. Well, I, and I love your story because like, like you said, I mean, there's, there's been a whole bunch of serendipitous events that have happened over your life that have gotten you to where you're at now, right? Which is, I mean, for for what you're doing, this is kind of like the pinnacle. I mean, Cirque du Soleil, come on, right? That's like the the premier, you know, thing to be able to do from from this standpoint. And I think it's interesting because, like you said, you know, and, and and this is true for everybody who's listening, right? Is you know, those of us that have lived a little bit longer, maybe we understand it a little bit more only because we've experienced it. But I love that idea. You, you know, you walk by, you see the rig, you're like, you're open to it. You're curious to it. You're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Why don't I try it? Right. Which is something we talk about on this show. Just try it. Right. You might yeah. like it. You, <laughs> you liked it, you know, and again, it's these little touch points over time that your life is unfolding differently than maybe you expected. But I'm hearing that it's like unfolding in ways that you never would have imagined and that are just amazing. Right. And it, it was interesting because uh, as uh, taking a step back, I, I didn't mention this in depth for, before, but uh, I was working in Japan for four years. And after three or two or three years, I kind of realized like I'd seen enough of Japan and I really wanted to 
spread out and see other parts of the world. And I knew trapeze or circus was a way to do that. Um, and so we decided to just end our contract in there, my wife and I, and try and find other work. And when we ended our contract, we didn't actually have anything really lined up. And it just so happened that I had found a contract with Cirque du Soleil prior to the pandemic. And then, so I was already excited, like, okay, this is going to happen. This is like, finally, like it's built up to this. And then the pandemic happened. So then you go through this emotional roller coaster, not only what's happening in the world, but the potential of your career being here to being like possibly no longer existing. And it, again, it's just part of that roller coaster of you really don't know how it's going to turn out and when you get those opportunities, whether they last or whether you're able and prepared to take them. Well, I have two questions regards that. So you said, I know, I know the story of how you met your wife, Tycho. Um, so circus also led you to the relationship of your life, which is pretty phenomenal. So if you want to tell that story, but the other thing is how as a performer, because I know so many people whose shows were shut down and they couldn't train during the pandemic. How did you adapt what you were doing and get through that time? Because that must have been so hard. Uh, great. Uh, I'll start with the, the wife question because I'm sure she'll watch this and she'll want to hear that. Um, <laughs> Uh, when I when I moved to Japan, she, uh, she was already working in the show. She's from Japan. She grew up there, and she, that was this was the first circus that she had worked in. But she was there for about four or five years before I actually got to that circus. And then it was a few years before I actually could get her out on a date. And then um, from there, I developed the two years um, dating her. I eventually uh, talked my boss into getting her on the flying trapeze team with us, and naturally that leads to like more build of confidence and trust amongst a relationship. I mean because. You know, there's natural trust that's required in flying trapeze as it is. Mm -hmm. um, but then we developed, obviously, from that. And in that circus, we were living in such a small uh, area. We, we, we were living in shipping containers, basically a long shipping container divided into three rooms. And we were wow. in one of those rooms. So we had a six foot by nine foot home and we had to either get along or break up. <laughs> and um, that's what helped us develop our relationship until um after we left that contract, she decided to come with me and she believed that I was going to be able to find us work. And, uh, you know, ultimately, like I said, I had got a contract and she also had gotten a contract with Cirque, but there were going to be separate shows. So that was a challenge. But when the pandemic began, it kind of brought us back together because, you know, we didn't have anything else to do. And I didn't want her going back to Japan because I didn't know how long this pandemic was going to last and if or when we'd be able to see each other again for quite a while. So she came back to Dallas and this kind of leads us into the pandemic of what we were doing. Um, being a performer and obviously not being able to do flying trapeze, um, we found that using social media and creating videos through social media was another way for us, or at least for me, because I'm, she loves performing as well, but it's like a passion of mine to get people's reaction, to see them enjoy life or to see them entertained and to read them in the comments of like how something that you did or presented or taught them, changed them in some way, whether it's for the moment or for a longer period of time, those kind of things are what really drives me to perform. And so we, we just, every day we were constantly thinking about ways to, to create different ideas and content and follow some of the trends on TikTok and Instagram. Uh -huh. and, um, and we made tons of videos. And I even actually connected with a company um, I really, they caught my eye, like one of their advertisements on Instagram and I reached out to them. They eventually hired me and I'm still actually working with them doing content creation and managing their TikTok platform. So um, it's been nice being able to use that and 
um, catapult that into another complete in, different industry of retail uh -huh. sales. And, and that's, uh, it's been a challenge, but it's also been fun to be able to learn how to create in that environment. And Tyco has been a huge, huge help in, in all of this production, because sometimes I need her to hold the camera and she's learned how to, you know, catch certain angles and what frame rates and all these mean. And, um, but she's also been like, <laughs> she, she's not a great actress, but she's hilarious. <laughs> like, she, she is the foil to everything. Your guys' videos are so freaking funny. I mean, and, and she tends to be the right person. She's sort of the, you know, the Abbott to your Costello. Yeah. When I give her, when I give her a little direction, she takes it like over the top. And it's, it's brilliant because there's so many different levels in there. And we take, you know, just like a typical TV show or, or film, we do quite a few takes so that we can make sure we get the right, thing in there and it's funny to see just where she goes with some of this stuff and like she we've made some good content and most of the comments are obviously about her because she's beautiful and she's talented so um and people are probably tired of seeing me by now but at the same time hey it, as long as it entertains and it it brings attention to whatever you know the, the content is yeah that's cool well, well i think i think that's a great lesson for people Right, that are listening because I know a lot of times I'll say, "Look, folks, we're talking about trapeze or circus, but we're not really talking about trapeze or circus." Right? Is that you know? Because I heard you earlier on say that you loved seeing an audience happy. That's why you wanted to be a performer, right? And so, <clears throat> you know, again, a lot of people they go the acting route. You and Kathy both gone that route, right? But then it didn't work out. But you still have that desire to make audiences happy. And so you find some other way to accomplish that, right? And so then you said, you know, you got the contract with Cirque and then the pandemic and all that shit happened. Well, you still found a way to make the audience happy. It's just through a different medium, yep. right? And, but, and, but you're still able to kind of live your purpose and make people happy in, in some of these other ways. And again, three years ago, you never would have thought you'd probably be doing this. Right, right. Well, and another part of it too is uh, when you come from circus, there's no unemployment really. There's no, um, there's your, you work, you get paid. You don't yep. work, you don't get paid. And so we also need another way of income. And I had built my YouTube channel around the idea of circus and our lifestyle and living in Japan and how, us as an interracial couple, how we interacted and some of the, you know, when we were in Japan, everything was new for, to me for the first time. But when we got back to America, a lot of the stuff was new to her. So we had a way to kind of keep this content going. But at the same time, we were starting to make a little bit of money from social media. So we thought, well, maybe this will be a way to supplement our needs because as a couple with a dog, if we don't have income, we're under a bridge sleeping or something, you know? And Fortunately, we both did really well about saving our money and we don't, we don't spend frivolously, but at the same time, like we didn't know how long the pandemic was going to be. So, yeah. you know, we need to find income and social media and performing and finding that outlet was like the, the only option I really looked at. And, um, I started thinking like, well, I'm doing good on social media. Maybe I can learn how to be a social media marketer. And I started getting to the back doors of like, this stuff and I'm like no ultimately it's like I want to be the creator I want to be in front of it I want to be directing and designing what is happening rather than like guiding other people's products and that's one of the great things with this other company and I don't know if I can mention them but sure um, 
it, it's called the perfect gene. Their marketing is brilliant and they're very edgy and like, they're not typical, um, the tongue in cheek, like it's very edgy humor. You know, they use eggplants a lot to symbolize, you know, um, and symbolize what? Their, their, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kathy doesn't understand that reference. <laughs> their slogan is fuck your khakis, basically. <laughs> And so like, obviously like this is kind of within my sense of humor, I can tone it down or I can beef it up depending on what we can get away with on what platform, mm -hmm. but they allow me full control of the content that I was creating using their nice. brand. Nice. And so that, that was like really exciting for me to not be like just helping them drive their brand by editing videos for them or designing uh, campaigns, but like, no, we want you as basically yeah. A spokesperson for the brand and it's done well i mean they're i'm not gonna say i'm a huge reason but their company has grown really well over the last year and a half mm -hmm. they've only been around for uh, almost two years now and um they've just been growing amazingly and i think a lot of it is because of the social media that's basically yeah. their marketing is all social media and i must have made about 100 videos or clips or edits mm -hmm. for the last two years and um, i'm just excited to see how the company is doing and um, being a part of that kind of creation, you know? Yeah. Well, so many words are coming to mind during this conversation of stuff that Jason and I talk about all the time, like pivot and adaptability and kind of, you know, go with the flow, be curious, be present, you know, all these things that we talk about because our objective with this podcast was to help people unlock their limitless potential. Right. And it started out as this very businessy show where we had, you know, business consultants, da, 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 and then we moved into hypnotherapists and psychics and astrologers and, you know, all the, now we've got a circus performer on and people might go, Oh, is trapeze have to do with business everything Ryan just said, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it really does, you know, and it's, it's exciting for me to, to get to share your story with everybody because I know it, you know, and I know you personally, I've known you for a while. Uh, I love you and Tycho, uh, but it's exciting to hear, you know, how did you manage a pandemic when you literally went, we're going to be sleeping under a bridge unless we figure this out. So I love that adaptability and still finding a way to entertain people because your videos are just fucking hilarious. I mean, I love you. <laughs> And we'll give all those handles at the end for people that don't know your stuff. It's so funny. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I think it's interesting because I know, you know, I know a lot of musicians as well, and they were in the same situation, right? Yeah. Especially for the gig musicians who would, you know, norm normally play at restaurants or do some other stuff, you know, a few times a week. Um, you, you know, if they, or, or if they were touring, you know, same kind of thing, right? It's like everything just went... <laughs> And so they had to use social media and a lot of them, you know, show up and do like, like one guy, I know, I think he does two song Tuesdays and a Thursday, something or other, right. Where he gets on Facebook live and he just plays songs and talks to people that are in the live, the live thing. Right. And, and, and it still provides him a way to be able to serve and show people and, and, and give a little peek behind who he actually is. Right. Because as you were talking about what you and Tycho are doing, and you brought up the whole point, you know, you know, you guys were in Japan, you were kind of the outsider, you know, Japan is an amazing place. I love it. But yeah, it's, it's totally different than America, right? And now she's here, and you mentioned interracial couple, right? So it's like, you guys are actually helping people in so many other ways that you probably don't even realize, just mm -hmm. by sharing your story. Yeah, right. Because yeah. there's, there's a lot of people, again, they're not in the circus. 
but they can relate to what you guys are going through as human beings too. Especially now when the world is divided as it is and how people want to find an excuse or a scapegoat or a fall guy for every problem that they have. Yeah. You know, like I was actually worried when, when I started seeing some of the headlines about how Chinese people were accosted and assaulted because they were Asian looking or Japanese people were assaulted because they look Chinese or people couldn't understand because they're Asian because this thing originated in China. And I was like, I was starting to worry because like, I know how brutal we can be in America. And on top of that, you have the political division that's intensifying some of this stuff. And it, it really kind of put a worry to me, but like, like you were mentioning, showing how the diversity can be strengthening rather than divisive is another kind of it was a very small part but it was still a part of our philosophy and our mission through the videos that we make and you know we always try and keep everything nice and clean as much as we can so that we can reach a wider audience but also so that it gives us credibility to the movement or the the purpose for showing that you know interracial relationships are not taboo they're not there's nothing wrong or different about them it's just two humans that happen to be born in different parts of the world that hey may have grown from different types of beliefs and ideas and they can collaborate they can compromise they can make babies <laughs> and it's okay it's okay you know <laughs> yeah and your babies are going to be beautiful by the uh, way i can't wait uh, yeah i mean because you guys are both just stunning looking people so yeah it's going to be amazing and and the other thing i love and i love that you jason that you brought that up about the interracial and inspiring others to have that is the other thing is there's there's this conception about actors performers definitely circus people that there is no monogamous relationship mm -hmm. everybody's just banging everybody and you know i have an artist friend who used to do what he called these little dirties um he was this amazing, <laughs> Gotta hear about that. <laughs> this amazing artist, but he and his wife would like, he'd draw something dirty and slide it across the table to her. And she'd draw, she was an artist also. And they went back and forth with they, these little coffee cup, dirty drawings. And he did one called the circus. I have the print, I have the artist proof of it. And it is just <laughs> this, man, you know, people in circuit just fucking all, it's just this very dirty thing. And he said, the reason he drew it is because that's what everybody thought actually went on in circus. Right. Now, I'm sure there's a part of that, you know, but you guys found love in this environment that isn't necessarily the the place that that normally happens, right? And same thing with me. It's like, I met Eric at the trapeze rig, you know, and we have this great longer term relationship now. And same with you and Tycho. And it's like, it's so exciting to see love come out of something that you guys are both so passionate about. So I just kind of wanted to throw that in there. I, I think that's, uh, it's an interesting concept. And um, one of the things I mentioned to you guys before we started this podcast, but I'll mention to the audience is that when you're in a traveling circus, your community is all you have. And so you naturally have this tendency to grow amongst each other. And if you're looking for companionship, you're either going to be uh, a playboy for whatever city you're in, and then you're going to be looking for that relationship or love or companionship every single week, or you're going to find that within the relationship of somebody in the circus. And so that naturally leads itself to have like, and because circuses are usually uh, people who work in circuses, they work for a year in a circus, then they move to another circus and it's very transient in that nature. 
it tends to lead to that incestual orgy type feeling of like yeah. people coming in, you change relationships. It's convenience, it's companionship. So you stay with that person, they leave out or you leave out and it yeah. changes so frequently. So it naturally kind of can have that connotation. And, but there's also been stories just like mine and Tycho's. There was another girl that I worked with and she found love with another guy in our show. And now they're married and they have a, a baby on the way. Um, and it's not uncommon too to find somebody who not only you're compatible with, but like can really supplement you in a relationship in the way that like a long-term marriage really requires. And so, yeah. um, you, you get everything, you get that natural, like community, like you have to be with these people if you want that companionship or you're going to be a slut or, you know, if you're open-minded or if you like me, I'm. 39 years old right now. When I met her, I was 35, 34. I've been through enough relationships to know that like being a playboy isn't entertaining anymore. It's not yeah. something that I, I'm, I'm, I need a person. I need to be looking differently at relationships rather than just like an overnight stand, you know? And so mm -hmm. that's when I met her, I wasn't looking at like, let's get married, but I wasn't looking at her. as like, Oh, hit it and quit it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> If I'm going to look at the qualities and if she has the qualities to continue on in a dating relationship, then I'm going to look for the long-term in her. And if I find that, hopefully she finds that in me. And, you know, I wasn't like just looking for somebody to lay in bed with, but, you know, people come into circus or come into any job at different yeah. stages in their life with different experiences in relationships. And, you know, whether your age or your, your experience in relationships dictates it when you're in a work environment you're with those people more frequently than sometimes your friends outside of work. And yeah. so you naturally are going to grow some kind of crush or companionship or kind of interest to, to be smitten. And yeah. it depends on what you do with that is what absolutely changes. And I just quickly, I had this conversation with a coworker of mine who's been a friend of mine for a while. And I said, it's not uncommon to be married and still have a crush or to still like be infatuated by somebody else. But mm -hmm what you do with that is what makes you the human, the, the good moral person that you are, you know, some people can't control that. And they're like, I gotta go bang it. You know, uh -huh. other people are like, Oh, that's cute. That's an attractive person. Yeah. Oh, she has a nice body. That's it. Uh -huh. I can see that. I can acknowledge that, but does it make me want to change the way I feel in a relationship? No. Does it make me want to do something that's going to jeopardize a relationship? Hell no. So yeah. like, that's where I think the difference comes into where, you know, some people do have this perception of like, it's very an incestual type of business in circus, but in the end, it's people at work and it's going to happen whether you work at Starbucks with 10 people, <laughs> you work in IT call center, or you're in the That's circus, true. you're going to naturally be gravitated towards certain people. And if you have the right mentality about going into a relationship, that's going to determine how it goes. Yeah. Oh, I love that you said that because, because it's true. It's yeah, of course it's happening at Starbucks and it's, you know, and when I was an actor, I fell in love with every leading man I ever had. Right. Cause you can't pretend to be in love with someone for eight weeks and not start to have those feelings. And you're right. It depends on, well, what do you do with it? You know, if it, it, it's, it's, it's the action behind that, uh, that thought. So yeah. And if you have enough relationship experience and you've had enough experience being with a lead actor and you're a lead, then you understand like, okay, this is my mood. This is my emotion for now. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a long-term emotion. It, it, you know, you're, you're playing a role that's good and you get involved in that. Or even if you're not an actor or you're in a work and like, again, you recognize like, this is a person that I'm really attracted to. Yeah. Well, if that person's married or you're married or you're in a relationship, 
you have to understand like you cannot act on that without consequence i said you can there's there's gonna be some fallout cool well, beautiful and, 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 and i think that brings up a good point again another lesson because we're we're talking about certain things but we're talking about other things folks right is <laughs> is you know what you're just talking about there is is you know it, it's it's who we are right and and every every different environment how do we choose to show up right can we separate yeah. the work from our life right and again so you know acting just in general i mean you guys are both in the industry you know how relationships often go in that in that area right because again it's you you have to get into that role to be convincing in the play or the movie that you're doing but can you walk away and separate yourself from that work? And again, there's plenty of great, you know, examples of people that have been married to the same person for 30 or 40 years in Hollywood, yeah. right? So, but, but the people who can't separate it, those are the people that turn to substances, that turn to, you know, relationships and other stuff like that. And, and you can see when people kind of crash and burn in the industry, it, it's just a visible industry, but it's the same thing. Like you said, whether you work at Starbucks or an IT call center or a whatever, it's the same thing. And can you decouple that and realize who you are as a person and stay true to that? Yeah. Right. Instead of allowing your life to be in circumstance, waking up five or 10 years later and hating yourself because of who you've become that is not who you really are. And I think a big element of that is, is really knowing yourself. And yeah. if you don't know yourself, finding a way to love yourself. And it's so cliche to say that, but if you know the type of person you are, you know the decisions that you should be making for yourself. If you're yep. completely lost because you're living in this world where like you don't know who you are and you don't know what's going on, then of course you're going to be like experimenting with making the wrong decisions. And that's just part of the experience of growing up. And then once you've been cheated on or once you've got, once you've cheated on somebody else and you've learned the fallout from that, or you stole from your company or somebody's stolen from you, whatever, once you feel that experience, you know, like the next time, don't put your hand on the stove. Like yeah. you don't want that result. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't cool. want that result. <laughs> oh, I love this. Okay. And of course we're out of time. And I actually love, I love that part of the conversation. Cause that's something that I don't think it's talked about enough, you know, is relationships and fidelity and who you are and who you want and all that good stuff. So yay. Oh, Ryan. Oh my God. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, so tell people all your social media handles. When does the show launch? Like when do you start to tour all that good stuff? So right now uh, we're in Montreal. We're finishing the last week of uh, of training. Um, we're training the act to integrate it into the show the, that was already going back a year and a half ago. We'll go to Houston to start five uh, five weeks of staging with all the other pieces, and then the show is going to open up in Houston on November thirteenth. Um, we're going to stay in the United States, mostly on the West Coast, I think, for the first part of uh, next year. Um, our schedule is going to be updated on the Cirque du Soleil Allegria website. So if you want to see the dates, you can go there. Also, if you follow any of my social media, my YouTube is going to have a lot of uh, 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 updates of like what's happening, what's going on, a little more in depth. 
My Instagram stories will always be telling you everything that's happening daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then TikTok, you'll find some different clips and videos. We make different things with challenges, but also try to incorporate it with the with circus and trapeze. And now with Cirque du Soleil. Um, and all of those platforms, my handle is Ryan S. Acrobat. Okay, Ryan S. Acrobat. Yay. Congratulations. I'm, I cannot wait to sit in the audience and see you catching the show. I, I'm just so thrilled to do that and get it's it. And knowing that, you know, you caught me a couple times. So, I mean, that's actually, it's like I was caught by a search. Just like, you know, you said West Coast. So that means you guys got to be in LA or somewhere in Southern California. So I, hope hopefully, we do. I, yeah. I hope we do California. I know right now, the only thing that's booked is Houston and Seattle. That's the okay. only thing we know okay. for sure. It's but, a quick flight. Things, things change because of the differences in the, the, the counties and with you know yep. the pandemic we're still dealing with. So yeah. Um, cool, cool. Excellent. This has been so much fun. Okay, so Ryan S. Acrobat, go follow him on social media. Check out the Cirque du Soleil site for Allegria so that you can find out where he and when he's going to be performing. And I'm Kathy Groover. I can be reached at kathygroover.com. And I'm Jason Mefford. I can be reached at jasonmefford.com. So go out. Have a great week, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Fire and Earth podcast. See ya. See ya.